in Atlanta, uh, where I'm probably in when this comes out, it's so it's so much more affordable that yeah, you could work as hard as you did in Los Angeles and maybe save up some money or something like that, but you, you just don't have to work as much. You know, you just your 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 day-to-day life is not laser focused on staying alive on the planet. Hello, and welcome to the Hollywood Hustle Podcast, where we bring you the stories and struggles of artists climbing the ladder of success and how they survived the city of dreams, Los Angeles. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 36. My name is Michael Lutheran, and I am the producer of the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, very excited to be with you uh, chatting about Act 2 with actor, amazing person, and southern gentleman, A.J. Jones. Uh, hi, everyone. So it's been a couple weeks since I was last here on the pod. Had some personal stuff come up some good things a friend of mine Courtney got married so got to go up and see one of my closest friends get married uh, to this amazing guy so got to go up and spend time with friends and it was an amazing time also got some time in to hang out with our sound engineer Kel Torados Uh, he's been taking a leave leave of absence which we've discussed why in the previous episodes but it's really nice to just spend time with Kel and you know, he's one of the most closest people to, in my life. And uh, so it was just really nice being there for him uh, during this time. But really, there's a lot more that I want to catch up with you guys, but I'm going to hold off, actually, uh, during this intro. I know, I know. This is the first time we have Michael back for an intro. I don't want to give away too much because actually next week we're going to be releasing our Thanksgiving special. We actually just recorded it this past weekend, so... This episode is uh, dropping on Tuesday, uh, November 15th. We actually just recorded this special this past weekend. And so uh, we're going to be catching you up on our creative journeys, on our personal journeys. And there's a lot of great stuff. We also sit down and, of course, because it is the Thanksgiving holiday, we talk about what we're thankful for. So I don't want to share too much of what's going on with me uh, just yet, but I wanted to take a moment to say a quick thank you to our listener who won our Halloween Nunez contest, Ashley Husson. Uh, Ashley is an amazing person, and I've had uh, the opportunity to chat with her, uh, whether it be on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, We've talked a lot about her journey of being a writer and she lives in Maine uh, so I know uh, just like our guest uh, this week AJ Jones uh, she is someone who also embodies the Hollywood hustle spirit and is not here in Hollywood and that is completely fine Uh, she's taken so many risks to pursue her dream of being a writer and it's just amazing to see that she's, you know, she recently moved to a new city in Maine. She's really just going for this path of being a writer. And I think that's amazing. And she always uh, shares with us whenever she's listening to the podcast. Just want to take a moment, Ashley, and say thank you, thank you, thank you for your amazing and kind words. Uh, they're very much appreciated. Again, thank you. And Daniel and I can't wait to uh, send you all of your prizes that you get with the Halloween Nunez contest. But now, in Act 1 of Daniel's interview with my friend A.J. Jones, you got to hear about his story about the discovery of his passion for acting. 
the determination and the by the gut decision making that went into his move to Los Angeles. And ultimately, it was that same spirit that drove him to seek out his Hollywood hustle in Atlanta, Georgia. Today in Act 2, I join the conversation to talk all things Los Angeles as well as Atlanta. The differences and the similarities of the entertainment industry, the culture, the people. But what I love most about this roundtable is how it shows the universality of the life of being an artist. Take a moment to grab your favorite home snack. I know, uh, hey, Daniel, pass me the queso. And so get your snack and let's jump back into our conversation with Daniel and AJ. Thank you guys. And we're back here with Mr. AJ Jones from Atlanta, California, Orlando, Indiana, Kentucky, and Texas. Yeah, I decided to come back. <laughs> that's the that's what I get after all those I memorize all those wonderful places that you live. Yeah, I mean that's expected though. <laughs> Congratulations, you did your job. Thanks. That's all I need. I just need some <laughs> sort of appreciation. Uh, also with us, of course, is the man who may have sunk the Titanic. We're not really sure, ladies and gentlemen, Mister. Michael Lutheran. It was just in the way, guys. It was just in the way. And I might have been like, not today. Not today. Is that why they call you Iceberg? Yes. <laughs> Scoops Iceberg. Scoops, Scoops Iceberg. Scoopsburg. Yes, Scoopsburg. Yeah. Scoopsburg, Pennsylvania. I think you can have a nickname not only as a first name, mm-hmm. but also a last name. So it's a Nick full name. So it's a oh. Scoopsburg. Scoopsburg. I guess. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I should be. I'm going to be AJ Jet. <laughs> Don't do that. No. <laughs> no. You're already the L.A. guy in Atlanta. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That. I yeah. do that. AJ Jet. Isn't there an AJ Styles? Yeah, he's that's, a wrestler. That's a person, yeah, right? A phenomenal AJ Styles. Okay, that's a pretty good I'm AJ. I'm a wrestling nerd. Ah, good. He's from, he's from Georgia. Is he really? Yeah, he's wow. from Georgia. Wow. Okay, we'll have to... See if, we'll see if we can get him on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> see if I can just take his, take his name. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think there's legality issues with that. I mean, maybe it's, it's probably not him. It's probably WWE themselves. No, no, no. That's actually that is his. He he travels with that. It's oh, probably he's, not his real name. AJ but that's like, he does he does own the name though. Yeah, we can do that. This is WWE talk. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just kind of start off with uh, you know we have two working actors uh, with us, Michael and, and AJ. I've acted before. I, I came out here to write and also act on the side. Um, how has acting, being an actor, especially in LA and even in Atlanta, how has it evolved over time? What is, you know, it's 2017, what's different that makes it better or makes it harder to be an actor? Uh, AJ, you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. Um, being an actor in 2017, um, to put it in a, (laughs) to put it in a family sort of sense, um, (laughs) it's a, a crap heap. There is no distinct path whatsoever to becoming a working actor. There are there are paths that, that you can take, but they're every single person, depending on what they look like, what they sound like, how old they are, what their level of technological expertise is. I mean, every single person's journey is different. You know, there still is the old Hollywood, you know, if you grow up and your parents are in it, 
and you, you grow up around L.A. and around New York. Oh, okay, yeah, that's the local business. Of course, you just go into that, what your family goes into. But for someone who has no connection or no anything to grow up in it, you can do it with Instagram followers. You can do it with Twitter followers. You can still do it by being really, really just pretty, really good looking. Nowadays, people are getting agents and booking TV shows because they just look weird. Because they look unique or different or a very specific, specific type. There just there is no one way to kind of make the break. But I still kind of go back to what is being a successful actor. And a successful actor is, for me, being 80 years old and still doing it and doing whatever I want to do. Now, to be at that level, you have constantly be you have you have to constantly reinvent yourself. And to reinvent yourself, you have to be a good enough actor. And to me, those actors still come from the theater. So f- it's, a, it's a hard thing. Being an actor in 2017 is so hard because anyone thinks they can do it. Anybody can go and get a million Instagram followers with their silly little videos and get signed by CAA. Absolutely agree with you, AJ. You and I both come from the theater. And one thing that I've definitely had to wrap my head brain around since moving to LA is the idea of social media. Back with, uh, you know, Gene Hackman, Dustin Hoffman, if those guys had to worry about social media, we might not have ever gotten those performances. Mm -hmm. And there was still such an insistence on theater, Mm -hmm. on coming from whether it was Pasadena Playhouse or Mm -hmm. uh, other big institutions here in LA where you go and you do the work. And along that ride, you, you meet the filmmakers and you go in for the auditions, whereas out here, everything is now an opportunity and everything is also some type of wall that you have to try and climb over mm-hmm. a little bit. Everyone's expecting, the, the industry is expecting you to be able to also be a writer and director and a producer all at the same mm-hmm. time. So you, it's no longer being just an actor. You you have to come in with that idea. The, the creative mentality, which I think is always good. I think any chance you get to be a part of the process as a whole is a good thing. But that also means if all these actors are coming to these markets and being told you have to create stuff, it creates a flood of content. And not, it's not always necessarily the greatest because not every actor is going to be a really good writer mm-hmm. or director or you know they'll just pick up their phone and think, oh, I'm a cinematographer. Everyone thinks that they can do all of these things. But I think what it comes down always is training. And AJ, I really appreciated what you were talking about in part one, uh, that just as your friend and everything, I've always known you to be an actor who's always in practice, whether you're doing a show or you're taking classes. For me, I just finally started, I found a place, a creative hub to go and take class Mm -hmm. and everything. But I think it's so important as an actor with the flood of everything that's going on right now, the one thing that you can do is be in training, mm-hmm. whether that's doing theater or taking class at a studio. That's one good way to stay creatively mm-hmm. grounded. All training is is a way to find your honesty as an actor. Can some people just walk in a door and just start acting without any training? Yeah, one in a generation. So you're always doing it. Some people can just t- t- film themselves and get a bunch of followers and just and be good and have a career because of that like some people can do that so that, that's why it's a it's a tough thing where it's like tra- training is just different for everybody and that's why that's why I think I think I think the idea of training has kind of shifted because a lot of people now especially in Atlanta their training is now 
oh, I'm going to train on camera. I'm going to learn specifically what it's like to be on camera so that I can master the audition. Because the audition for an actor, that is your new career now. That is our career. Um, when you're on set, when you're on stage, man, that is vacation. That is that is the stuff you dream about doing. Auditioning, becoming a good auditioner, that's the hardest part about what we do. I think that's where training has like shifted from uh, instead of I'm going to learn to be a great actor. Well, nowadays with the with the invention of, of like not the invention, but with with the uh, expanse of all these TV networks and, and all of the, the the streaming services and everything like that. Nowadays, okay, just get good enough, book a couple little co-star roles, and then start building that way. And then all of a sudden, you can start training once you've been on TV for a little while. Like it's just a, the the idea of training has has changed from the years of the golden age of American theater. Like, well, one thing I, uh, Michael has written here on because he kind of came up with this outline about is it's something we've talked about. Do you have to be in LA or New York to be a quote unquote successful actor and something you touched on uh, a few minutes ago was what is successful? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, it, what is being successful? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, being like you said, 80 and just working or is it being winning an Oscar and have being the 1% of movie stars that are making millions of dollars per movie? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say you do not have to live in LA or New York city to be a successful actor, you can have. A, a, I have many friends who continually work in Dallas in a mm-hmm. you know, smaller market that's all theater for the most part, theater based, and some that do a lot of commercial shoots and industrials and things like that. To that, they're being that's if you're continually working, you're successful. You're mm-hmm. that's a succeed. But if your successful ideal is continually growing, getting bigger, and higher in the ranks of mm-hmm. fame and entertainment yeah. industry, then yes. You do, for the most part, have to have some connections, at least, to L.A. or New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Atlanta is growing in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, but that's one of the few places I would say mm-hmm. that is. Hawaii is kind of growing a little bit with Hawaii Five O and mm-hmm. Lost and things like that, and especially international markets, of course, uh, Britain, England, things like that. But New Mexico. New Mexico, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But even then, a lot of those are connected to L.A. There's very, very few other than... With you know, exception of like Tyler Perry and like mm-hmm. PT, uh, places that have studios and have executives there, because mm-hmm. most of the New Mexico stuff is all cast, yeah, or cast here. Yeah, there's a very there's a very fine line that you reach as an Atlanta actor. Um, I don't feel like I'm quite there yet. I feel like I can get there pretty soon. Is whenever you want to start consistently auditioning for guest stars. So when I did Being Mary Jane, in our episode, we there was a group of four of us. Two people were billed as guest stars because the episode was more about them. And then two of us were kind of supporting them, so we were co-stars. Us two co-stars were local from Atlanta, and the two guest stars were flown in from L.A. So there's a very fine line, sort of defined, but you just have to understand it. When is my resume, when are my credits good enough that I really want to compete for consistently go out and going out for guest star roles. I wonder, living in an outside market right now, mm-hmm. do you think you go to an outside market where there's a smaller pool of talent where you can you know rise to the top of that? Though that type of experience will bring you back to an, a market like L.A. or New York that you go to the outside market to get the those kind of co-star credits that you were just mm-hmm. talking about. And that's what you'll bring back with you to LA, yes. or or is that a question for you? Is it, or are you thinking I'm going to be in Atlanta? 
for a while and just see where it goes. Until Atlanta grows into the world-class city that people see it as becoming, I do not think Atlanta is a place where you stay permanently right now. You can as a filmmaker. If you're into the indie scene and all of that, people stay in Atlanta for a long time, open up production companies. But as an actor, Atlanta is the perfect place right now to get that first three, four, five, six TV credits to legitimately build a resume. Because as an actor, paths are so strange. And realistically, could it happen? Could, could, could Star Wars happen for anyone tomorrow? Sure. Okay, it can. That happens to, again, one person in a generation. How do you logically plan for a career that has no sense of planning? And the, the only way, really, to break that down is to build a legitimate resume and to start auditioning. It does not matter your talent level. It does not matter how good you are right now. If you do not have co-star credits, TV credits on your resume... You are just not going to go out for TV episodes. And, and that's in Atlanta? That's LA anywhere. That's yeah. anywhere. In L.A., you're not going to get an agent. In Atlanta, you'll get an agent. It's getting harder right now because so many people are coming to Atlanta that agencies are filling up. But in Atlanta, you know, there's the reenactment shows, the crime reenactment shows, where you have no lines, you just reenact. Does that get you off as an actor? No. Because they're, they're on TV One or whatever. But is that a TV show that exists that humans watch? Yes. And that goes on your resume. And then that credit leads to a Tyler Perry or a lower um, like streaming service that, that people haven't really heard of TV show or a more independent TV show or something like that. And as your credits build... Then you can start auditioning for The Walking Dead. Then you can start auditioning for Star. You can start auditioning for Criminal Minds. You can start auditioning for those. But it, it, talent level, Hollywood is a business. And right now, the business is 0% about talent. It is all about a bottom line. And when, until you are a name, talent means nothing. Because until you are a name, you are a type. And you have got to find, where is my type being cast? And I need to go there or I need to make myself seen where I am as this type. Because if I don't build my... Because for me, if I do not build my resume by the time I hit 35 or something something around that age, I might just not work because of the way I look. Because the types of roles that I will fit. If I don't have the resume to legitimately go out for those roles, I'm not going to book a role up against somebody who's been on TV for five years. So I have to, have to build my resume that way. And for me and my type right now, Atlanta is the place where I can collect those small first credits to legitimately start building a real, I can hold this resume of, of TV work. So often I've talked to, whether it's you know been in casting director workshops or uh, spoken with agents, and there is such this mix of don't do theater, don't do it, and then you'll have the, those that say do theater, do that uh, creative thing that helps keep you going and everything like that. But more often than not, though, it is, as you say, it, it's about it becoming a business, about really just honing in on your specific type, creating that momentum. And I think those are all well and good things to do, but it is hard applying the artistic passion that you have in a city 
like Los Angeles that is so business driven. Sometimes you can get actors who go to the wayside because they can't merge the two. I mean, it would be like it would be like moving to Wall Street and giving up or complaining that it's competitive with money. It you can complain about the game or you can find a way to play it. And, and you it. can embrace it and excel in it. You know, you people think they're going to sell out. People think they're going to lose themselves if they let's say let's say I really want to play these deep emotional roles, but people keep seeing me as um um the quirky nerdy college guy. But I'm more than that. I I I'm, I'm deep and I'm emotional. I'm sensual. I'm all of these things. Well, yes, you might be, but you're not going to play that yet because no one's going to give you that role yet. Can you, if people say you look like the nerdy college guy, can you embrace the nerdy college guy and say, what I am doing is I am setting myself up for the rest of my life to be that intense, awesome leading man that I feel like I am. But there is no way I can get there if I do not embrace the way the environment, the way the culture sees me. And I think that aspect of being an actor in 2017 is still just the same, right? Because one of my heroes that I always look up to is Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. And he was an actor who honed in specifically his type, what he did, the zany, wacky, crazy, bouncing off the walls guy. So that once he reached that level of success and that uh, reputation, he was then able to go out and choose the specific Mm -hmm. dramatic uh, roles that you were just speaking about. Mm-hmm. That's what he probably wanted to do, mm-hmm. but he had to wait and be patient and do the work so that everyone knew him as a specific type. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, and knew him at a specific level of success. Yeah. If Jim Carrey wasn't Jim Carrey, is he ever going to do Eternal Sunshine? You would never cast Jim Carrey in Eternal Sunshine, but because he's Jim Carrey, you can. How did he become Jim Carrey? Because he was Jim Carrey the way we have always known him for his entire life until he had the ability to change that. I think it's also part of that is you do the thing that you're good at, like you said, being the zany college kid, but you're not always on set. You're working with other actors. You're eating dinner with actors, the crew or the director probably. So they're going to get to see you outside of that character. So they, you know, this guy has a really good head on his shoulders. And after talking to him and seeing who he is, I see a little bit of, you know, this role that I have down the road that's not the zany college guy, Mm -hmm. but the swashbuckling uh, heartbreaker, you know? Yeah. And so that's also going to help is they're going to see your personality offset Mm -hmm. and that's going to help them understand where they can catch you later on possibly or think of you Mm -hmm. and uh, and on top of that obviously how you work and if you're a good actor on set and if you do your stuff and learn your lines and Mm -hmm. and they they see a quality in you that they appreciate yeah i mean how many times you think harrison ford went to work as a carpenter on set and said i shouldn't be doing this i shouldn't be building sets i should be on i'm I'm an i want to be here i want to be an actor why, why, why would I keep building sets if no one's going to appreciate me? Because it takes one person to appreciate you. Mm-hmm. And whatever you can do to put yourself in that place, whatever you can do, whether it's a skill, whether it's a, a, accepting your type and playing it to the best of your ability, just find whatever way you can to be around the, the world, the, the business. Can you... Can you Put your, can you dip your toe in it and dip in there long enough to finally be able to step in? 
Speaking to that though, Daniel, uh, that's very much how me and AJ kind of went on to knowing each other in that we were cast together on a specific show, Train Spotting, and you got to know my work as we were ca- we we're in the same cast together because it was mm-hmm. a double cast show, and we're in the same scene together. It went, we had the same scene. It was yeah. the best scene. <laughs> statistically the best statistically scene they the did a scene. uh backstage did, mentioned our scene yeah and, no and they did a they did a, a citywide uh release of a, of a survey and it came back about 48 percent our scene exactly so but, it was, you know a lot of that time though is you know we, we weren't performing on the stage the entire time it was about hanging out backstage and getting to know one another mm-hmm. and that i can only assume is why you thought of me when no homo came around when oh, you totally, were already yeah. working on it. You get known for playing a specific type, and then you also mm-hmm. get to know the crew, you get to know fellow actors, and then when they're working on a project, and in walks in an opportunity where they think you'd be good for, mm-hmm. that's when they can bring you in, and you can play something that you're normally not going to play. Yeah, otherwise. I mean, it's the, the frustrating thing about being an actor is, is you know, we're, we're not robots, we're people. We're people and... Disagree. We, <laughs> well, well <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the writer in the room can address yeah. <laughs> I mean, Read the line, monkey. <laughs> Dance, monkey. Yes. Um, no, but it, it's your your people, and people have depth and feelings and a universe of of an imagination, and it's hard to put that into a box. And a lot of people feel restricted when they put themselves into that box. And instead of feeling restricted, you should think about that you're focusing it into a laser that is literally like cutting your way into the business. So don't if, if someone says you look a certain way, you are this certain type, um, you, you need to do this job, you should do this this or that or this or that. Find that thing that really gets you one step closer and focus it like a laser beam to cut your way literally into the entertainment business. Like I still think as an actor, noting your type and learning your type and accepting your type was one of the hardest things to do. Everybody wants to be the sex symbol. How can you say you don't want to? Who, who, who hasn't thought about it one time, you know? And so it's very humbling to say, you know what? Maybe, maybe I am the quirky guy. Like maybe I am just kind of the straight man. Maybe I'm not the funny guy I think I am. It's sobering. It's hard. But when you accept it and you play it, then you can grow out of that. But it's, it's, a, it's not boxing yourself in. It's focusing intently on what you're doing. Now, so going, shifting from the, the business of, and more the cities of where we live. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've lived in Los Angeles and now you're in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of talk about those towns. And mm-hmm. the, the cities play a role in our lives just as much as the passions of what we pursue play in ours yeah so let's talk about um la maybe first and then we, we can hop on over across the country to atlanta yeah. uh, all right you know so first of all you you first lived in north hollywood north hollywood yeah when, when you came here i i still operate in that area i, I lived in uh north hollywood and sherman oaks and currently in valley village mm-hmm. uh found my spot and daniel i i don't live up there mm-hmm. um i live in midtown uh which is south of hollywood Mm-hmm. Uh, north of the I ten uh, of the ten, it's near like the Wilshire area, Mid City, Midtown goes mm-hmm. by both names. It's where you live. It's, too. A, it's very much an up and coming neighborhood. Really starting to grow with resident uh, uh, economically. Have a lot of different shops are opening up, which is thank goodness finally. You know, when you moved here, you said you were looking, uh, you know, driving through Plano 
looking online through mm-hmm. air Wi-Fi for a place to live. Yep. Uh, living in L.A. is, I think, expensive. I hear. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, it is. So, yeah, let's talk about, like, the, sh- you know, the dip- like, kind of, Mike said, the differences between those places of looking for a place in Atlanta versus living looking for a place in L.A. And wh- wh- how do you do it? <laughs> in Atlanta, I got kind of lucky. My, like, uh, an old acting partner from class back in Orlando uh, lives in Atlanta now, and I just kind of put out a blast saying I was coming out there, and and uh, he hooked me up with my roommate, who I still live with. It's been a, about a year and a half, yeah, by but, now. So that, but definitely, it's always helpful knowing someone who might know someone else who's in the same situation. Oh, as you yeah, are. That's, that's life. And, and, yeah, that's everything. <laughs> and, and how is rent on average in Atlanta? It, is it is Atlanta the same way as LA in that if you live in the valley per se? Rent might be a bit more affordable or cheaper in mm-hmm. the valley than, say, Hollywood, or you get closer to the mm-hmm. east side of Hollywood or West LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, each area has its own like kind of yeah. Every every area. every city has its has its good areas. You know, Atlanta's got Buckhead, which is you know basically Beverly Hills. Your CEOs of companies live in Buckhead, you know, and all of that stuff. I live on the southeast side of Atlanta, near East Atlanta Village which is a little bit more like Echo Park, Silver Lake kind of vibe. You can find some really good deals. But, I mean, we live in a uh, – right now we live in a uh, two-bedroom, one-bathroom cottage. It's a separate house kind of tucked in some trees. Trying to imagine you in just a nice, quaint cottage. With two dogs, yes. I mean, it's – Drinking tea on a porch every morning. Coffee, yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah, it's a cottage. We have – our yard grows very quickly. Because okay, let's just stop there. You have a yard. My, it's my first yard rare. in like 10 years. No no lie to you whatsoever. That's why it's so overgrown because I don't want to do a yard. I haven't had a yard. I don't even we don't even have a, a lawnmower. Yard. Yeah, I, someone used it in a sentence. I thought it was Greek. I have no idea. I hear it's a unit of measurement, guys. Ah, that's what it is. You're welcome. Okay. Math. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I was good enough. Um <laughs> Supposedly. But, yeah, but we found out that our yard grows so quickly because we don't have grass in our yard. We have wild vegetables in our yard. We have like bean stalks and like scallions and turnips growing in our yard. And I'm like, what? How, how? I'm not a gardener. I'm not going to pick these. Like, what do I do? I, do I just weed whack them? Do we, what, do, what do I do with this? I, so I'm still confused. I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to weed whack everything probably. But yeah, we have a little white, little white picket fence. It's this adorable little house probably built. I don't know, probably in the 60s or 70s, and we live in a, in a really cool kind of historic neighborhood called Ormwood Park. Awesome neighbors, and but that's neighbors. Right. Like it's 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 an it's a part of town with a lot of like young couples and older couples. It's it's, well, it's just a weird, interesting hodgepodge of people there. What would you say is like the cost of living versus Los Angeles? Laughable. Like, can you, can you give a range for our listeners in terms of... Uh, like, you want a, number like numbers? One, yeah, like a one-bedroom apartment. With so, I live... Okay, so I lived in Park La Brea uh, on the 10th floor of a tower in Park La Brea, which is... Which stretches, you know, between La Brea and Fairfax. It's huge. And that, um, this is in Los Angeles. In, in Los Angeles, in mid, Midtown, Mid-City, Los Angeles, right next to the Grove. We lived in a an unlike remodeled older unit like one of the cheapest units it was a two bedroom two bath cost us 1890 a month um and that's a steal i mean that was an absolute steal we live in a two bedroom one bathroom cottage washer dryer in unit dining area um porch full yard 
full parking strip, all of that fun stuff for twelve hundred a month. Oh my gosh, <laughs> twelve hundred total, like a twelve twelve hundred dollars. Wow. Yes, for the entirety of the building. It's laughable. It's because <laughs> how much do you pay? It's, it's insanely sad. It's laughable. Uh, we pay fourteen twenty three for a one bedroom, no parking spot. We have washer and dryer, mm-hmm. and we we have a, a driveway that other people use. Mm-hmm. And for me in the valley, I have a three bedroom apartment that I share with various roommates, mm-hmm. and that it's luckily rent controlled. But it's gone up since living there. But right now we're paying like nineteen twenty for a three bedroom, no air conditioning. Oh, and wow. we get one parking spot. Uh, for yeah. those listening, air conditioning, washer and dryer unit in in house, and parking spot mm-hmm. are the three amenities that you will pay up your butt for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's where your price hikes. If you won't, if you don't care about having a parking space. You don't care about walking to get or driving to get your laundry done, mm-hmm. and you don't care about being hot and sweaty during the summer months, then you, you'll pay a little less. But if you want mm-hmm. that stuff, that's where the real money in L.A. is made, yeah. is that. Is, is If you can find that for cheap, then God bless. Yeah, well, a re- I think a recent study was done. I was listening on NPR the other day. In L.A., at least for renters, a third of one's paycheck goes towards rent. At least a third. Normally, mm-hmm. it's half. But it sounds like in Atlanta, it is more affordable. Mm-hmm. As well, yeah, it's it's more affordable. I mean, I, th- I I feel like I've heard in business, in any type of business um, books or any anything like that. I think thirty percent of income is not yeah. like unreasonable for, like to pay for housing. That, that right. seems about about normal. In LA, you like you're crying while you're paying like your rent. Like like it's 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 just a different thing. In Atlanta, uh, where I'm probably in when this comes out, it's so it's so much more affordable that. Yeah, you could work as hard as you did in Los Angeles and maybe save up some money or something like that, but you, you just don't have to work as much. You know, you just your 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 day-to-day life is not laser focused on staying alive on the planet. And being in Atlanta, what is the perspectives people have towards actors, towards creatives within the entertainment industry because sometimes in Los Angeles, which is the home of the entertainment industry, uh, I've ta- spoken before on the podcast about being in job interviews, and when you say you're an actor, you're basically job interviews over. Mm-hmm. And so, how is being an actor viewed in Atlanta? D- depending on like what part of town or what type of people you're you're around, being an actor is kind of a novelty. Like, ooh, you're an actor need what is that tell me about well, that the opposite you're not an actor yeah Ooh, that's neat tell me about oh, that you're you're a marketing director <laughs> what in the world does that mean you know oh you're an account executive that sounds wonderful you have no connections to the entertainment industry whatsoever you're an alien uh-huh yeah i mean atlanta for the most for the most part is is still just a uh kind of half blue half white collar working town it's a it's a banking town it's a it's a small business town it's um like a coca-cola a lot of corporate offices in atlanta it's an international business town so it's for the most part it's just kind of a businessy town so there are pockets of actors um there are pockets of people who do entertainment especially because it's growing so much people are people are starting to get used to seeing film sets everywhere and production trucks and crews everywhere People are getting used to it. They know it's there. 
but there's still a separation. Because most of the Marvel stuff, I believe, films and draw a lot yeah, of Marvel Yeah, as far as I know, Pine, Pinewood Studios, which is the biggest studio in Atlanta, is yeah. um, booked for the next four years solid because of Marvel contracts. Yeah, but, tech, you know, it's funny. is like Texas is the same way. Like, Texas, it's about 1200 for a two-bedroom. It's mm-hmm. very that southern, and it's also very much an industrial yeah. business town. Where when people also are very surprised when I don't have an accent, it's well because where I'm from, Dallas is not Texas that you mm-hmm. think of Texas. It's business, it's corporate, it's yeah. people from all over the U.S. together in one one spot mm-hmm. for the most part. Uh, for you, AJ, was there anything? But we we always find those pockets of what feels like home to us whenever we go there. So mm-hmm. in Atlanta, is there any place that you go to that reminds you of L.A. or? Think, makes you think of Orlando mm-hmm. or any, anything like that, that sometimes when you're feeling frustrated or whatever, you miss home, you can go mm-hmm. and check out that spot. I mean, I, I'd say in a town like Atlanta, that's easier to find than in a town like LA or New York, because there's just more space that you can kind of claim as mine. You know, in LA, no matter where you go, someone's already there. So there's really, it's really hard to find places that you're like, this is my spot. I like this place. So like, there's great coffee shops in Atlanta. There's a thing called the Beltline, which is kind of the best kept secret of Atlanta. Um, mostly only Atlanta local people know about it. It's um, kind of like the High Line. I think it's called the High Line in New York. It's an old train track. It's been converted into a walking park. So in Atlanta, it's called the Beltline. It extends from like Midtown, Piedmont Park, all the way down to near where I live. You can walk it, ride bikes. It's just beautiful. There's parks off of it. There's bars and restaurants off of it. It's a great, great place where you can just spend some time and like, I like this city. What about you, Daniel? Is there a place here in LA that you go to? Because I know obviously you left Dallas, but is there any place <laughs> that you go to Today. that where makes you think of home a little bit? Anywhere there's queso. Um, mm. That's not queso fondudo mm. or dito or however the crap you say that thing. Real cheese queso that's liquid queso that's got a spice to it. Whether it's skillet or whatever, got chorizo in it that you can dip with a chip or tortilla. That is home. Like that always. There's a place called Home State up in Hollywood, off of uh, I believe it's off of Hollywood, uh, near the Scientology Center. That is two Texas. It's owned by two guys from Texas. That it's a brunch place only. They don't mm-hmm. do dinner. And they have amazing queso. Like yeah. that going there reminds me of home. We're going to a place like Baby Blues Barbecue. Kind of reminds me of home as well. See, I'm jealous. Like, because like I grew up. I mean, I grew up in Orlando. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no specific going thing to, to Orlando. Like I mean, me I mean, like I mean, Disney kind of feels like home, and Universal does. But still, you're sharing it with thirty thousand people. <laughs> like, there's a weird. Like, I moved so much that I don't, I don't feel like I come from a place that has like. Oh, barbecue. This is my jam. Oh, uh, Mexican food. This is my jam. You know, I just... Orlando's got too much of everything and a lot of nothing. built to please everyone. Yeah. Because it's an entertainment... uh, Or or it's... It tries to appear as an entertainment Mm -hmm. place and everything. And so it's just trying to appeal to all the tourists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, For for me, Vacaville is... (laughs) Vacaville. Vacaville. Uh, May may I try? Yeah. a flat plain road with nothing on it. No, there's actually there's actually a lot, and uh, no, there's an air force base right next to it, so you have. Remind uh, me what state Vacaville's in? in? In Northern California. Okay. Yeah, so almost a different state. Got you. I <laughs> yeah. just I just literally picture you are now entering the province of Vacaville. Exactly. It's just it sounds like it would be like in Rhode Island. Like, yeah, it does. It does. It I, I thought like I, I thought it, I, I was thinking like New right? Hampshire ish, someplace like that. I was like, okay. It's 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 a town. It's a small town and with a lot of WalMarts and a lot of big major stores mm-hmm. that you can 
So there, I'll walk into a Walmart down here, and automatically it's like, oh, I'm in Vacaville. Uh, but the places that I, I go to find to feel at home again is like Big Bear mm-hmm. or uh, going out for hikes. Um, the more nature spots of Southern California that, for me, if I need distance from L.A., mm-hmm. go spend a weekend up in Big Bear and kind of reminds me of the Redwoods a little bit. Yeah, I get that. When, when you say you walk into the Walmart here, you mean the one Walmart. I was to say, I have only know one in, Walmart that's that here, is, and it's not close. <laughs> no, it's, it's in uh, Panorama it's City. Yeah. I was there yesterday. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, so if you were in Panorama City at the Walmart, you may have walked by our producer, Michael Luther. Right yeah, <laughs> and he may have been uh, crying thinking about home. <laughs> I actually was. <laughs> you probably you probably awkwardly walked by him in the in the crayon aisle. <laughs> if you hear in the distance, you heard Vacaville. <laughs> I do like to say Vacaville. Yeah, that's that's actually pretty good. I picture. I'm I, jealous, and I can't say that. Exactly. It yeah, sounds like sounds like the characters from like Despicable Me Four. <laughs> <laughs> the Vacaville. Well, what what yeah. noise would we say? Like if there if there's the minions, right? Like uh-huh. what would Vacaville sound like? I feel like they'd be vaudeville artists. I don't yeah, like that's really like hilarious. Like a vaudeville. We are the Vacavillains. Yes. Yeah, boom. I know I do vaudeville. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I am a vaudevillian. That's, that's a callback. <laughs> from a different um, episode, maybe you so, listen to it. So. Really kind of wrap this topic up, what are some tips from you guys, and obviously from myself as well, of how for people moving to those locations, like you said you kind of saw it from a friend, but how to find places to live, or what are the best you know options to look for good places to eat or go to or find things to do? It, to, to be honest, when it, when it comes to finding like, like roommate situation and, and parts to live in, if you're an actor, go to an acting class. Go to a workshop. Go find out where actors go. Find and then talk to people that way. That's the best. But for me, I mean, I did Postmates for a long time, and so many people now drive Uber and Lyft. That helped me learn. Like I did that in San Diego when I went down to do the the Signet shows. I made a little extra spending cash by doing um, uh, Postmates during the day, doing deliveries in the car. And for me, for just a couple months, I. I now own San Diego as one of my homes. I love that town. I was there for two two basically three months like but it's so close to me and i think it's because i did postmates and i learned the city i went to every restaurant that was important to people i went to all the different neighborhoods and learned the city and learned the vibe and the feel so i think even if even if you uber or lyft or do postmates or grubhub i mean yeah the jobs might seem kind of menial but if you don't know a single person in the whole city they really are a great way, even if you do them for a month or two weeks, they're really a great way to make a little bit of extra spending cash and just learn the city. You can learn what type of people live in this neighborhood, what type of things are in this neighborhood. Oh, I turned one corner around from my house and there's this entire strip of bars and restaurants I never knew were there. And you literally, because you have to go there when you deliver. So for me, just personally, that was a great, great, great tool that I could use. Uh, I'd say here in LA, a big one for at least finding a place to live, other than Craigslist, because that could be creepy, mm-hmm. um, is a, pl- thing, a website called Westside Rentals. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big one a lot of people use. It is like a subscription based website, but most people are more than happy to give you their login mm-hmm. um, if they have it. I, I, I think at least once a month I see someone post on Facebook does anybody have a Westside West Rentals, Rentals account? account it used to be it use. used to be a Netflix password yeah, yeah, and now, now it's Westside Rentals, Rentals account yeah um, or a Hulu password for mm-hmm. now. 
but yeah, that's a really big one. So if you don't have one, always check with your friends or somebody. So people are very more than willing to give up that login to help people out most of the time. Mm-hmm. Another website that's good is Hot Pads. That's one that I'm currently using because I'm shopping around a little bit for maybe uh, moving to a different area. Kind of going with AJ. Also, if you're planning on moving, try as much as you can to see if you know anyone who lives in that area or mm-hmm. has experience or knows other people mm-hmm. and try and get in touch with them. You know, there's a lot of friends of mine from college who have been thinking of coming down to LA and so they'll always reach out to me just to ask simple advice. And I think that's always key, trying to hear from locals. Yeah, I mean, going back to when I first moved to LA and I knew uh, all I had out here was my uncle's cousin through marriage it was the only person I knew out here was I ever going to be best friends with them and have them su- really special to me for the rest of my life? Just probably not, because they're a, a married couple. I don't know them at all. Mm-hmm. But for a handful of months when I first got out here and I was just really needing someone to talk to and to learn from anything, they were vital. So, yeah, just any way, you know, just really give anybody a chance, especially in a city like Los Angeles, because it, it, it is so hard to meet people in Los Angeles because there are everyone's so busy going their own directions that very rarely do you meet somebody in like a web of a crossing path. And I'll kind of add what Michael said in two points. Reach out to people maybe you haven't even talked to in a while, but you know they live out here. I've had several friends that I or people I knew in college or high school that I don't talk to much that have reached out to me just asking questions. You know, so don't even if you don't haven't talked to them every day since high school or college, but you find oh they live out in California, mm-hmm. send them a little message. Say hey, I don't know if you remember me, but we went to school together, and I know you live out in Los Angeles. I'm about to move out there. Do you have any tips or advice? Or uh, when I move out there, can we get get together mm-hmm. and just talk, just so I can figure this place out? Oh, totally. I, I, you know, most most are just jerks. Most people mm-hmm. are going to be completely fine with that. And then on top of that, I, I had some friends that moved out here before I did, several years before I did, and one of them I kept very much in constant contact with. Like I talked to him probably at least every other week just to get an update on what they were doing here mm-hmm. and what was going on. And that was huge for me to have the confidence to move out here is that I would ask him tons of questions. He was so kind mm-hmm. to just answer any of them and all of them. And mm-hmm. if he didn't know it, he would try to find an answer for me. He was super nice and so I that was a big help to me and I think also going back to what you were saying about getting some type of job that takes you out and you know explore a little Mm -hmm. bit like specifically when it comes to LA I think one of the best jobs I've ever had was working Halloween Horror Nights or or, and uh, as being a a studio tour guide at Universal Studios a place where you're gonna you know there's thousands of people visiting that theme park per day but the people that you work with are more likely than not going to be actors or some type of creative mm-hmm. and you're going out and you're performing you get to hang out with people daniel and i are still connected with the scare actors of mm-hmm. our horror nights and they're constantly meeting up and going out places so if you can find a job at some type of more social performance-based thing where you you know you get to perform for people and you know it's not mm-hmm. shakespeare it's not acting on set but it's still out performing and you're making money mm-hmm. And you also get to be a part of that cast family ensemble experience. It's a really good way of finding more of the town. Yeah, and to not, like, the the easiest thing to do when you move out to L.A. is to get mad at yourself when you make the wrong choice. If you If you take a job that is awful and you have to leave it or someone fires you over something that's not your fault. 
it's easy to say, I really shouldn't have hung out with those people, but I didn't know anybody else. You, you cannot judge yourself for not knowing anything. So the, the most important thing to do is just to always remember that you can make a better choice today. Like, no one has ever been successful in the entertainment industry without having to do things they have not wanted to do, without having to work jobs they didn't want to work, or be around people that they didn't want to be around. Or without failing at something at some point. Constantly failing. Mm-hmm. I mean, failing at our level right now is easy because we're expecting to fail. I mean, think about how hard it's going to be when you've been a working actor for 10 years and your show gets canceled and all of a sudden you're unemployed for a year. How's that going to feel, you know? Absolutely. Um, now, something kind of going back, uh, you know, we've talked about Freeman Jones mm-hmm. and your collaboration with Tyshawn. Tyshawn. What's some general advice that I think we all three of us can give people for creating something from nothing that is our own creation? Like, that is from us. Like, we thought of the idea we're working to write the scripts put the story together bring people on to help out and get it made mm-hmm. um what's some general thoughts and advice y'all you know all of us can throw out for that create with people it is dramatic pause <laughs> i wanted to learn how to write a feature film i said i'm gonna write a movie i sat down and i wrote this movie it was 150 pages And it was not good. I said, I should learn how to write. (laughs) And I called up my friend Len, who who graduated from film school as a director. And I know he had written a bunch of stuff. And I said, can we write something together? And we, we settled on an idea that we wanted to write. It took us two and a half years and seven drafts. But we wrote a feature film that we felt really good about, that we submitted to the Austin Film Festival. And we made it into the second round of the screenplay competition, which does not sound incredibly life-changingly impressive. But for me, that was the most important moment of like, I kind of just learned the basics of writing a, a screenplay. It took me two and a half years because I'm not a writer. If I wanted to only be a writer, I would have sit, sat down every day, taken writing classes and learned how to write. But I was doing that exact same thing as an actor while wanting to learn how to write. So I got myself around a better writer than me. I found somebody who was better at something than me, and I made it a decision to learn from this person. And so in a, in a city, in, a, in an industry that is so, everything happens all the time. Um, there's, no, there's no consistency where, where, where every day is different. Every job is different. This, this for me was two and a half years of consistent two days a week, we are writing this thing. I'm driving to Burbank from Midtown. He's driving down from Burbank. It, it was cumbersome, and it was kind of a hassle sometimes, but it was two and a half years of focus, and I learned more from him than I ever would have sat down like learning in a class just about writing what it meant to write like characters as a person, what it meant to work with people. If you want to be a TV writer, if you want to be a feature film writer, you are not going to just waltz in and put whatever you have done on paper and everyone's going to say, this is perfect, here's a million dollars. Everybody has opinions. Oh, the dream. The dream, right? <laughs> Everybody has opinions. Mm-hmm. Everyone always, you, 
everything is about ego in in any type of thing where greatness is achievable it's always about ego so the best thing you can do is learn how to navigate ego and that the first way to navigate your ego is to get out of your own little bubble that says i am great mm-hmm. and get get around somebody who's better than you i i'm going to say for me the first advice i have is do it like if you have an idea and you, you you talk to everybody at parties like, oh, I have this idea. I want to write this movie about a frog that robs banks and, and his buddy is a, a dinosaur. And I think it's going to be, I think it'd be really great. I, I think I even know how it's going to end. Like you just go, th- you talk to people's ears, you know, talk people's ears off for 20 minutes about this thing. But then they go, oh, do you have a script I can read? No. Mm-hmm. Do you have a, a, a synopsis or something like a breakdown? of it? No. Well, then why are you talking about it? Mm-hmm. Like only, I mean, yeah, it's a great idea. But if you've been talking about this for a year, mm-hmm. people are going to be tired of hearing about it. Yeah. So write a script, get it on paper. It does not have to be good. Like the first script is your script is your it, first pa- it, draft is never ever 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 going to be good. It will not. It's literally good. you getting the idea out of your head onto paper in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. Yes, it needs let let it be structured in some form and written grammatically correct. But it's not going to be good. It takes time. It takes whittling away. You know, I cut the the skin off. Uh, you know, a stick. It's not what I want it to be yet, but as I keep whittling it, it's going to become what I want it to be. And so just get it done. If you want to do it, sit down and do it. If not, stop talking about it. Mm-hmm. I, I talked about this podcast for a year and a half, and I finally started doing it. And yeah. now I can talk about it. And I can say, yeah, I got episodes that are up. You can take a listen at. Mm-hmm. You know, And I've got a great guy, that, a great friend that's helped me out with it. And we've had some wonderful guests like AJ Jones and you know, hey. Ashley Nunez and stuff like that. And, and it's been so fantastic. So get it out there. So then you can say, when somebody says, hey, do you have a script? I can go, yeah, it's not great. But I, yeah, if you want to read it and give me your thoughts, then yeah, I can send it to you right now. Done. You know? Yeah, and I'm going to speak on kind of merging some of your guys' ideas. AJ, what you were saying about you didn't know how to write, so you contacted your friend who did. That is very much my relationship with Daniel. And I think it's just as a creative... By the way, everything I've said is a script that they both wrote. (laughs) None of this is coming from myself. Exactly, exactly. But I think as a creative, there's nothing better that you can do than to surround yourself with people that are more talented than you. That's how I felt in the no homo cast of just like these were some incredible actors and I had to step up my game especially since I was not originally a part of it as a writer if you don't know how to write admit to it I think there's no shame in saying I don't know how to do something in this industry mm-hmm. and so if you have an idea and you want to explore it ask for help that's again how me and Daniel really started working together as a creative team in that I have these ideas, but I don't know the, whether it's the mechanical or the, the specific knowledge of how to get it on paper mm-hmm. and how to really build character. Mm-hmm. And so that's when you can bring in that other collaborator. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's always good when it's coming from multiple people mm-hmm. than a singular voice at times. Mm-hmm. I think that's when you can get some yeah. more interesting challenges because if you think of the Star Wars prequels, one guy wrote that script and no one told him no. The stories are what they are. Yeah, I mean, screenwriting, especially because we're in the golden age of TV, TV writing, that, that, is a, that, is a, that is a craft. It's a tangible skill to be a TV writer. If you were going to be, if you were going to go and be a blacksmith, you're not going to just start hitting hot metal and you're going to make something beautiful. <laughs> you're going to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, you know, you be, you're an apprentice for a long time. No one sits down and writes 
orange is the new black. No. It takes years of, of, of ideas and of structure. I mean, you can, be, you can be the greatest idea person ever, ever. But if you don't understand what a teaser is, what a true act break in a half-hour single-cam drama is, or multi-cam comedy, or animated series, if you just don't understand the structure of it, it doesn't matter how good of a writer you are, you cannot be a TV writer. You know, a good, a good musician is a studio musician. You don't have to go in and write Chopin. No, can you come in and play what, I'm, what I have written, and can you fit into the story I'm trying to tell? That's what I think good acting is, too. There is a story that's being told. You don't have to go in there and be Daniel Day-Lewis. No one's Daniel Day-Lewis because no one's allowed to be Daniel Day-Lewis. So I just need you, especially in the beginning of anything in the entertainment industry, any type of career whatsoever, everything that you are going to be working on is someone else's masterpiece. It's someone else's canvas. You are a little bit of blue paint. Now, if that artist wants a lot of blue paint, then you can have a little bit more of a voice. If that artist wants just a little bit of blue paint, then you're going to have a little bit of voice. But you have to be that paint in the beginning to assist on other people's dreams and visions before you can start to think that it's all mine. Uh, our, one of our first uh, guests that we had on the show, Kurt Mega, he had this great expression of just be a problem solver. Especially in this stage of your career, you know, you're looking for this specific type of person for this part of the story and understanding where you fit in. You can be the solution to that problem. You don't want to then get on set and try and take over everything. Just know where you fit in. Mm-hmm. And, and also, on top of that, if, if it's something you're creating, it's your baby, you're, and you're bringing other people on, know what it is. Know how to answer questions about it. Mm-hmm. Because... You're going to get people are going to pitch you ideas, especially if you're bringing other, like you said, producers and stuff on or bringing like Michael came, came on for some other stuff that we've done together. And if you're if you don't know what this baby is that you're creating and they start pitching you ideas, you're going to just, just take them like because you don't know what it is yet. So, like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. And then you're going to try to be figured out how do I fit this in? when you're really trying to figure out the, the whole story. Mm-hmm. And then you have to tell the person, hey, I couldn't put your idea in here because it just didn't fit. Even though you all tell them, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. So know what your story is. Know what it is you're creating so that when people do pitch your ideas, you can either go, that's a great idea because that'll help with this and this and this and this is something I've been missing. Or, you know what, I don't know if that works here right now because this is where we're going and I don't think this would assist with this and this and this like giving good reasoning for it not working mm-hmm. but go you know and then saying but there's more story to tell that may come up later let's put it in our back pocket mm-hmm. so it's helping you not just take whatever comes at you and having a great idea format for what you're creating so it gives you a good roadmap. Um, there's an incredible freedom in saying no mm-hmm. that's hard to find um, it's hard to do in the beginning because you, you always want to get experience and I'm and I'm in no way saying don't don't take opportunities but allow yourself the freedom to say no to things stand up for your vision yeah be confident in what it is that got you behind this project to begin with you can certainly take in people's ideas and like Daniel said see if that's the solution to the problem but if someone tries to challenge to take over your vision I would also just say it, know that it takes time. Mm-hmm. 
know that, like like AJ, you, you worked on that script for two years. Mm-hmm. We Daniel, you and I have had scripts that we've worked on for since over we <laughs> since we met that we haven't necessarily been able to create the final product yet, mm-hmm. but know that it's all part of the process and that it's okay if you reach a point in the you know creative process where the story isn't coming together in a specific way that you think that it will, it's okay to take a step back and work on something else. It's so yeah. easy to get tunnel vision on it. Yeah. And, and it's not, that's not failure. Like that's not you going, I didn't do it. I wasn't successful. You didn't fail. Because now whatever you've learned from doing that, you're going to take to your next thing. There's stuff on some of the scripts that we've worked on that advice other people have given me, just general advice and mm-hmm. things like that, that I take to all my future scripts that have helped me com- immensely as a writer. Mm-hmm. And knowing, wow, they were completely right. Like this totally needed this and this totally needed this and this has made it so much better. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to start thinking about that further down the mm-hmm. line and other things I do. Yeah, from a, from a specifically writing perspective, um, Great improvisers learn how to kill their babies, yeah. in a sense. Great improvisers know that I might have this great idea, but if someone else goes with a different idea, I have to put mine aside to do to go for the betterment of the scene or the betterment of the troupe. Um, a good writer does the same thing. Um, you think you have this baby, you think this thing is beautiful and awesome, and then all of a sudden someone comes in and goes, I just don't think it's very good. Now, could that person be wrong? Yeah, but... When you can, take a step back and say, am I being hard-headed or is this actually something that I need to relook at? Because it's so, it's so easy to get offended when people criticize our writing because it comes legitimately from our brain. So it feels like we're being judged as a person. So some of the best things that I've been able to do with scripts I've written is not look at them for months. You put them away and then you don't care about them as much. They're not. They're not as part of your part of your daily life. You need and fresh eyes. Fresh eyes, totally. And you pick it back up six months later, and you're like, "Why did I write that scene?" I, I always correlate that to like if you wore something back in the '90s, and you were like, "I look the I'm the coolest person on this day because I'm wearing these Jinko jeans mm-hmm. and this black tank top." And then ten years later, you're rummaging through a box of stuff, and you find a picture, and you're like, "What?" was I thinking? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it doesn't have to be 10 years, but I, I think that's, that to me that's no. always been the same idea. It's like you need to get away from it, distance yourself, so you can come back and go, what? what? That, that line means nothing. That, mm-hmm. what is, that joke doesn't even mean anything. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you need time to see if it still resonates. And so kind of shifting this on over, um, before we get into our final part, uh, remind uh, listeners again, AJ, for anything that you've got going on, Hopefully, it'd be a Walking Dead credit. <laughs> that'd be that'd be nice. Uh, yeah, check out Freeman Jones um, at Freeman Jones TV on uh, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Freeman Jones TV. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, Freeman Jones TV. We're gonna be dropping the pilot. Probably be releasing the uh, the sketches from the pilot individually online as well. So um, you you can see it there. And um, I'll just have these guys keep you guys up in touch with uh yeah because atlanta's atlanta's popping so work comes instantly yeah the minute you know if you have an episode like that history channel Mm -hmm. pilot if that ends up getting dropped please let us know we'd love to put in a link to our listeners Mm -hmm. to to watch it nice absolutely uh where can people find you uh twitter uh i am at a double jones that's a um the word double jones 
Instagram, I am A to the JJ. So that is the letter A, the number two, T H E J J. Just let you know, um, that's what I'm going to call you from now on is A to the A to the JJ. A to the JJ. I thought it was AJ Jet. That's what I was hoping. Um, uh, I will never call you. That. Yeah, uh, but that's okay. Yeah, Facebook. Everyone's nice. on the Facebook. So thank you so much, Michael, for coming on and talking with us about Atlanta and Los Angeles and creative ventures. I know so mm-hmm. much about Atlanta. I am <laughs> the source of Michael, where are you Atlanta. going? Uh-huh. Why are you buying a plane ticket? Come back, Michael. No. <laughs> AJ's plan worked. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. So to final to wrap everything up, uh, AJ, one thing, before Facebook and after Friendster, there was a wonderful little website called MySpace uh-huh. where people would take immense amount of time to set up a profile with colors and movement and music that would take forever to load. Stars that would fall from the top of the page. <laughs> and they would put everything about themselves and everybody was friends with Tom's and your top eight meant the world to you. Fun story, my first video that I would embed in MySpace was Foo Fighters, Times Like These. Yes. Uh, it's times like these you learn to begin again. Yes. It's times like these. <laughs> but I went again searching. And again. <laughs> I went searching the web and I found a wonderful old MySpace quiz from the olden days. Of course. <laughs> For all those kiddos listening. Of course. Um, with 167 mundane questions that really mean nothing, but it's a lot of fun, I mm-hmm. think. So you picked six numbers mm-hmm. before we started. You had no idea what those numbers were Correct. Uh, going to, to relate to. But in front of me, I have six questions that, based on those numbers from our MySpace quiz. AJ Jones, are you ready to take the MySpace quiz? I am ready for myspace.com slash AJ Jones. <clears throat> Question one. What was the first school you went to? Peter Rabbit. Pre-kindergarten. Are you sure? Is that your final answer? Yes, it was in... That is uh, incorrect. You actually went to... <laughs> I was about to say, oh, God, I was in Dunwoody, Georgia. <laughs> what is your zodiac sign? I am an Aries Pisces cusp with a full Libra rising. Wow. That was a lot deeper than I expected. I, and I know people that will be like, oh, my God, I'm in love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> first so any, any, anybody out there looking for a Libra, I'm, I'm mostly <laughs> we, Libra. I, we know people. Uh, first vacation you ever took? The first vacation I remember was because uh, I got bit by a duck at at Disney World when I was, I think I was pro- probably the first time my parents took me. I was probably three or four, and I tried to feed a, a goose duck thing, whatever it was, and it, it just bit my finger. I cried forever. <laughs> That's amazing. Yep. <laughs> Donald Duck. That was, was it, was it, oh, what if it was Donald? Oh, it was just a, man, no. a, just a man in there biting me. <laughs> It was a homeless man that broke into the park. <laughs> oh, mercy. <laughs> Who was the last person you talked to on the phone, and what did you talk about? Um, the last person I talked to on the phone, this is in, uh, this is in June of 2017, uh, I talked to um, Jillian Fitzgerald, and we talked about her birthday is coming up. Oh, well, happy birthday, Jillian Fitzgerald. Yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> Have you ever slipped on ice? Yeah, yeah, I did. Because we, when um, my first winter in Atlanta, when I was younger, um, it was the first time I had seen snow, and um, it's the first time I had remembered seeing snow. And I was walking to go see some snow. Like there was just a little tiny patch on the other side of our driveway, and I like jogged over to it, and there was definitely a little slip of ice on the driveway. I had no idea what ice was, and I, and I just like, whoa! So was, I think that's everybody's first time. 
uh, when there's snow is you slip on ice. It's mm-hmm. just you have to. Yeah, it's there's no way around it. Yeah. And finally, your final question for your MySpace quiz, AJ Jet Jones. Yes. I did it. There you go. You happy? Yeah, I'm real <laughs> happy. Have you ever caught a stove on fire? <laughs> this is a legit question These that are people hilarious. are dying to know back These are in hilarious. 1998. <laughs> a st- Dove on fire. Why do you think? No, I haven't. Learn to live again. again. It's times like these. I've never caught a stove on fire, but I consistently run out of matches and lighters, so I use the stove to light candles. So I am somewhat worried that one day I'm going to drop a candle (laughs) onto the stove and wax is just going to burn. And (laughs) yeah, Yeah, I'm worried about that, but no. Well, that was your MySpace quiz, AJ Jones. Oh, okay. Thank you so much for that. Was a mundane MySpace quiz. <laughs> they were boring. There was no, there's no. Like I try to ramp these up as best as possible, but there's no, there's no climax to these questions. There's no way around. Half it. the questions are like boy or girl, shy or not shy, little or big. Like, these are like, great. What, in what relation to what? Like, boy yeah, or girl? Yeah, Do I like boys or girls, or am I a boy? I mean, little or big pizza? Like, big. Like, <laughs> Do you want to be tall or short? I don't yeah. understand what this... That's half the question. But thank you so much yeah. once again for being here, AJ. Uh, being here in LA, we're so glad we got to spend some time with you. Uh, uh, next time you're back in, please let us know. We'd love to have you come back on later down the road to talk more, hopefully, about Walking Dead and working mm-hmm. with Rick Grimes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. This has, this has been um, slightly underwhelming, but this was everything I hoped it would be. <laughs> Was it the MySpace quiz? Is that kind of really? Didn't it was just the either? sour taste. <laughs> it was like it was like a piece of juicy fruit gum. It just kind of leaves you wanting more. <laughs> I'm kidding, obviously, everyone. Uh, obviously. Obviously. Uh, can you can you send us off with your wonderful high real voice that you use? Your wonderful real high pitch voice that you don't use on on audio. Which voice? Your Cyrano voice. Your your wonderful uh, Ah, LA actor voice. Oh. (laughs) My name is AJ Jones, and I am from LA. I'm a thespian. (laughs) Now I'm living in Atlanta with all the southern people. (laughs) Well, thank you so much there, AJ. We'll talk to you later. Thank you, folks, for listening. Back to you, Daniel and Michael, in the studio. And welcome back, everyone. Michael here for a little outro discussion on this roundtable discussion that we just had with Daniel, myself, as well as my good friend, AJ Jones. AJ, I I feel like I'm sure you feel this way. You feel like he's already one of your friends. That's just the kind of guy AJ is. He is so uh, he's just such a nice guy. He he's got this charisma and everything and <laughs> and I love that he was able to be just so candid doing the southern man voice that he was doing and uh he's just a really great guy and he had so much to share in this episode about Los Angeles, Atlanta and one of the most more interesting things that I thought he talked about was ego. Um AJ spoke a lot about the battle many of us in our journeys of being an artist face which is do you play towards people's expectations or do you go for a role or an opportunity that even though maybe others don't see you doing that, that's what you're really interested in. That's what you're going to go for. You know, this is always the back and forth with every artist. I know as an actor, 
specifically a character actor, I'm always facing that struggle of embracing my more comedic side, which comes more naturally to me. Whereas I really love the more dramatic, complex roles. But even AJ kind of addressed that. Like, if you're trying to reach a certain amount of quote-unquote commercial success and you have industry professionals who are basically kind of giving you a direction, I see you doing this kind of work. I see you playing this type of character or doing this kind of story. Rather than have that be a wall and you know, I'm not going to listen to what they say. I'm going to go and do my own thing. By all means, there is no specific path of being an artist. That's that much we all know. I think it's very interesting that AJ kind of has this mentality of until you reach that high level of fame and success where you really have the opportunity to choose whatever it is that you want, that until you get there, you're going to have to cater your opportunities to moments that will best put you in your most positive way of being meaning that if what they see you being the type of being the nerdy best friend then just go for the nerdy best friend there's no shame in that be that that's awesome everyone will love you for that and they'll start thinking of you as that and then once you get that certain level of success you'll be able to choose more different roles. So I thought it was very interesting that he addressed that and we kind of had that discussion of, you know, of course you also want to do the work that most interests you and that's why it's so important to keep up with training. And speaking as an actor, training can be doing theater, it can be taking classes, uh, it could be doing student films. There's so many different avenues that you can go and practice the work that you really want to be doing and also fail dare to fail you want to fail in a 99 seat stage or on a student film get all of those quirks and uh, growing pains out of the way when you're on a lower budget smaller project so that hopefully when you're booking the co-stars guest stars and the series regulars you're not making mistakes that might risk the opportunity for you to continue on that platform so i thought that was really interesting one of the things i was most excited about this roundtable discussion was talking about la and atlanta the the differences the especially when it comes to the costs of living as you guys probably heard we went into the nitty-gritty the details of how much it costs to live in Los Angeles and for AJ, how much it costs to live in Atlanta. And for many of you who are thinking that a major market is the first place you really want to go, you want to move to LA or New York, you really want to go. I'd say, I, I hope that this conversation gave you some context to know what you're getting yourself into. When I moved to Los Angeles back in 2012, Minor markets weren't even really much of a thing yet. Breaking Bad had just been taking off, so you had some things going on uh, down in New Mexico, and things were just starting up with Netflix original programming. But the minor markets aren't what they were today. Walking Dead really did change that with filming in Georgia and in Atlanta. So now, if you're someone who's thinking of moving to a major market, 
it's interesting to hear the other side of the argument. Maybe go to a minor market where you have the opportunity to build up and pad up your resume with smaller roles like a co-star, guest star, things of that nature, and where the community is smaller than, say, here in Los Angeles, where there's so many thousands of actors and people trying to make it in this specific industry that to go to a minor market might actually give you maybe more visibility. It might give you an opportunity to save up money to move to a major market. I don't know. There's there's so... I wouldn't call, say that there's pros and cons. I think there's just so many different ways that you can go about it. I'm really interested if you're an artist and you live in a minor market town, What what what's your experience of it so far? Do you find it easier or more difficult to book consistent work? Do you find that there's not that many opportunities? I know um, back where I li- uh, where I'm from in Northern California, there's a, a lot of commercials that happen up there, but in terms of TV and film right now, Northern California still really isn't breaking into the game just yet. So I'm interested to hear from you what what is your experience like living in a minor market or if you're an artist who has lived in a major market like New York or LA and have gone to the minor market and come back. Uh, like I said, there's so many different ways that you can go about it. There's not one specific way that's the right way. And clearly we're hearing that from AJ and and from Daniel that you can come from anywhere and you can come to Los Angeles and your path will change in ways that you didn't even know what to expect. Also, we didn't get a chance to talk about it in AJ's uh, interview, um, nor did we know about it at the time when we recorded this uh, roundtable. But while AJ's been in Atlanta, he's also launched his own business, and it's called Nova House Atlanta. It is a communal space for artists and actors to come together in a positive environment that's created by actors. And it's a place for, it's a membership a company where you can go and record as many tape self-tapes as you need for auditions. Uh, many actors these days are not walking in the room uh, in person with a casting director. A lot of the time, at least for the first round of auditions, you'll record a video of you doing an audition. You'll Many actors will record it on their smartphones, but there's many businesses here in Los Angeles that will charge you anything from $50, $70 at least for maybe a 20, 30-minute session. But here at Nova House, AJ has a business where it's $50 a month. You get unlimited tapings. They're open until 1 a.m. And you also get this communal space where artists can uh, gather to write and edit and read and study and just hang out and build relationships. It's really, really exciting what AJ's doing. And They have been so successful since their launch earlier this year that they're actually now moving spaces. The space that they've been working in is too small to handle their business. So they're moving to a new house and AJ's actually launched a GoFundMe campaign and they're close to right now hitting 50% of their goal. Their total goal is uh, just over $2,000 and they are already well on their way to making that. But but if you want to contribute, you can just visit their uh, GoFundMe. It's GoFundMe.com forward slash Nova House ATL. N O V A 
H-O-U-S-E-A-T-L. Uh, if you also want to check out their website, find out more about this business, it's thenovahouse.com. And they're also on Twitter at NovaHouseATL. So AJ has just continued to pursue his interests. He's continued to make decisions by the gut. One week he was living in Florida. A week and a half later, he was in Los Angeles. I was there for when he decided to make the next decision to go from LA to Atlanta. And since being in Atlanta, he kind of saw this opportunity where there wasn't much of a self-taping business uh, going on for actors submitting for auditions. And he and his collaborators have just joined forces and are created this really successful business model. So I'm really excited and I can't wait to see more where the Nova House goes. I'll definitely be contributing to their GoFundMe and I hope you can too. And remember, you can always f follow us on social media as well. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Hollywood Hustle Podcast. And we're also on Twitter at LA Hustlecast. And please, you know, if you had thoughts about what you heard on the podcast today, uh, questions about being an artist in a minor market or a major market, uh, what, what is the cost of living in your area? Uh, we we want to know. Just reach out to us. Uh, our email is Hollywood Hustle Podcast at gmail.com. Now, coming up next week, Daniel and I finally reunite for a special Thanksgiving edition Team Hustle episode. We're going to be catching up on what's been going on our creative and personal journeys. We'll review the last round of guests that we've had so far on the podcast and so much more. We look forward to sharing this with you. But until then, remember to navigate your ego and to always keep up the hustle. This episode was hosted by Daniel Tuttle and produced by Michael Lutheran. Michael Lutheran was the sound engineer for this episode, and Mike Tobias edited our website. For more information, please visit our website, www.hollywoodhustlepodcast.com.